Under the Helmet. You'll do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you're leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Find written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, a show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm Chad Parsons. Got a super special feature topic this week, and that is former co-host for years here on Under the Helmet, Katie Flower, the diva of Devi, and frankly, someone that I draft with. Uh, I don't like drafting against uh, in rookie drafts and Debbie drafts. And we got together for a two-round rookie mock draft. So the entire version is going to be on the premium side for UTH. You want to make sure you catch all two rounds. We talk about probably 30-plus players in terms of players we didn't take, other intriguing players. And we talk about a lot uh, there in a very up-in-the-air round two, especially after a certain portion. But you're going to get to hear the first few picks of that, our dialogue, and obviously catching up with Katie Flower. She's been on... Uh, Another show here in the early months, um, early weeks of the offseason in terms of her as a Devi resource, as a dynasty resource. And again, great to catch up with old friends. And uh, I used to have a weekly call with Katie Flower. So it's awesome for me, um, as well as you as a listener, to catch up. So look forward to that in a few minutes here as part of the premium show, uh, as part of the weekly show. Um, I also wanted to mention here at the top a few things about the Senior Bowl. So I am not at the Senior Bowl here in 2024, but I wanted to exercise caution with a few of the things that you're going to see. This is an annual tradition here for the Senior Bowl, for the All-Star Game Circuit, and frankly, for plenty of the data points we're going to see during the pre-draft process for these incoming rookies and class. Uh, The first thing, and I'm going to call this the Amara Darbo effect. Uh, If you recall, um, one of the the Senior Bowls that I attended in recent years was the Amara Darbo class coming out of Michigan. And I was there, I was watching in person, and the the biggest thing was this highlight real this highlight play this highlight route uh, there in the red zone they were doing kind of goal line sequences for the wide receivers and he shook a defensive back out of their boots uh, so to speak and ended up uh, you know breaking off this route and it became uh, a Twitter and and viral and social media uh, sharing pool and module for all the the, the scouts and resources and those uh, taking videos there at the Senior Bowl event. And Amara Darbo was then trumpeted as having a great week of practice, and this was going to vault him. He ended up being a round three pick. Fast forward ahead, Amara Darbo didn't do anything in the NFL. Also, rewind before that, Amara Darbo was not a good prospect um, in the projection model, not a good prospect on paper, comps, all of that stuff. But basically, he lived in a, a world where that one clip, that one route, that one moment at the Senior Bowl became a thematic element for him during the draft process. So, um, especially during this span of time around around Mobile. Um, so I remember that, and it harkens to a player this week of Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson, another Michigan wide receiver who had a moment, who had a one-handed catch. He had a good route. He puts that string together uh, for a rep, and that's become his dialogue. And I would say especially, uh, by it, this 
Roman Wilson, Amara Darbo, and putting together the pieces with my next thematic point for the Senior Bowl and All-Star Game Circuit in general here for the pre-draft process is this is this week of practice was and has been for quarterbacks, but wide receivers. They get a lot of reps. Tight ends, running backs, they fall through the cracks a little bit in terms of the number of reps they get. How realistic is it towards what they're going to do or see um, or contribute in the NFL? Wide receivers, you at least get to get see plenty of one-on-one opportunities. I would say this, though. With the quarterbacks, even lesser so than wide receivers, it's a grain of salt mentality. Uh, this is very much uh, you know, practice reps. These are new uh, new relationships uh, that the quarterbacks are having with the, the pass catchers. And the other facet here is we have three, four, five, six years of collegiate data points at wide receiver for production and for so many uh, primary and, and secondary uh, statistics and analytics that we are going to now supersede that or not properly weight. This is a tool during the process. However, it is not something that if someone has a 30% production score and we go into senior bowl and it's so-and-so is lighting it up, we should not all of a sudden in our minds or on paper make that 30% a 60%. It doesn't work that way. You have actual with helmet, with pads, with your team, collegiate data points for a long sample size comparatively to three days of practice and one game in Mobile for the Senior Bowl. So that is one thing to come out of it, that Roman Wilson, one highlight, or uh, again, you get one great throw by a quarterback. Uh, the other thing I would say is seeing Joe Milton, you know, with his top pass speed being at 74 miles an hour or whatever. What does that mean? His passing score is horrendous in college. So all of a sudden you're going to say Joe Milton is one of the top six quarterbacks in this class. Okay. Live by the sword, die by the sword. You're probably dying <laughs> if you go that direction. So be careful about what you're actually letting in to your analysis and to your valuation for these players. Because Roman Wilson, good example. We're still talking about a guy that's probably going to be around three, four, five of the NFL draft. And you know, one one point I would make if I was in debate club would be, hey, what about Cooper Cup? What about Cooper Cup impressing, looking the part? Well, number one, he looked the part all freaking week. No defensive back could keep up with him. Here's the other thing. Small schoolers, or especially if they're not D1 level, are a whole different animal because their production score is one that we do need to have a more critical eye. Cooper Cup was one that he had a crazy production score. He was an elite producer in college. And what we wanted to see is, how does that translate to higher levels of competition? So the Senior Bowl was finally a data point that we were seeing against higher levels of competition. This was part of his transition from lower level, being dominant, being an alpha of that lower level to a higher level. And again, we didn't get it through a transfer. We didn't get it through uh, him going to a higher program and getting at least one season there in college. But what we did get with Cooper Cup was him torching guys over and over again at the Senior Bowl, rising up the board, ultimately going higher than a lot of people thought in the NFL draft, and then producing well uh, like an absolute stud in the NFL. 
But that is different. And that is the one data point, lower level of competition. And then the other thing is seeing guys back to back. Those are the two main qualities at quarterback and at wide receiver that I wanted to see. Running back uh, at the Senior Bowl, and this, I put this in the winners and losers uh, written, uh, written form uh, recap of the measurements this year at the Senior Bowl is that running back, the measurements there, what weight are you? You know, it's lying season when you talk about the listed heights and weights from the collegiate point. And at some point, senior bowl, combine, pro day, you will have to get measured up. You know, that's hand size. That's uh, that, that's uh, arm length. That is height, weight, all these things that to varying levels at varying programs, it's ambiguous in college. And it's amazing the number of times I see guys come in shorter than what they're listed at by an inch, by maybe even two inches. And then you also see the fact that with weight, that's a pretty big deal because that's going to blend in with uh, the the size and athleticism combination there at the running back position. And also, if a guy's 195 versus 208, that's a pretty big difference in what your likely contribution is going to be expected or projected by an NFL team. And that could affect where you're drafted, but also just affect your profile in a pretty graphic way, looking at player comps, et cetera. So I think with running backs and just in general, with, with weigh-in results, quarterbacks, obviously you don't want them coming in at 195 pounds and things like that. So there are checkpoints. It's more checking boxes than it is graphically changing something about a player. Because generally, guess what? The guys that are productive, they were productive in college. And generally, the guys that are good athletes at the running back position, guess what? They were good athletes in college and good athletes during the pre-draft process. And now they come to the NFL and guess what? They have a chance, a chip and a chair and a chance because of their size and movement combination. And there's ancillary things too. But I'm seeing reports, you know, that certain guys are catching the ball well. Yeah, look at their receiving score. They're more of a receiving-centric running back. I'm not surprised by that at all. So again, senior bowl and in general pre-draft, you have to be very, very careful about what you let into your circle and what you uh, end up using as something that moves the needle for you in your player value and prospect analysis as we go through this process. We can't wait to get to the NFL draft, but there are so many little bite-sized morsels of data points that we have between now and then filling in the gaps. Myself as the analyst, you the dynasty owner, drafter, and developer, and procurer of talent for your own teams. And that's a really good segue. Uh, let what you let into your circle, as as I mentioned, as one of the themes for Senior Bowl week and the, this pre-draft process. Because Katie Flower is someone that is in my inner circle. I have very few uh, text chains with uh, with friends and. And folks generally, uh, coworkers, peers, and and again, like I said, friends in the the dynasty and fantasy space. Katie Flower is absolutely, and for years, has been one of them. So here are the opening picks uh, as a preview for our long form discussion that we had uh, drafting against each other. Again, this is the worst case scenario uh, in terms of a drafting environment. It went on for about an hour uh, for these two rounds and our pre pre show and uh, and post show post draft discussion here. So I wanted to give some of it away for free. But again, I would highly encourage you. Uh, we're also planning on having uh, at some 
some point during the pre pre NFL draft process, uh, the DVF Debbie is going to be on. And we're going to talk about obviously the Debbie landscape, uh, some of our Debbie drafting experiences this off season together, um, as we're already kind of refining our plans on teams together. But again, here is some of that discussion. Thanks so much for listening. As always, if you want to hear the whole show, and this is a perfect time of year to sign up as a general manager plus subscriber over there at uthdynasty.com, you're going to get all these uh, pre-draft profiles. You're going to get the UTH right now. Rookie big board is 1.0 after the combine. You're going to get 2.0. Uh, as we get closer, you're probably going to get 3.0. After the draft, you're going to get 4.0. You're going to get options to, to get a... Uh, UTH rookie draft guide uh, as well. Uh, again, so many good features there. And the trade calculator has been updated for weeks now uh, after the pre-draft, pro- uh, uh, after the NFL season in 2023 here. So all the veterans are, are updated. You're going to get such a, in my opinion, a, a better uh, dynasty rankings board at the skill positions. The rookies are incorporated. You don't even have that at all sites yet. And you're going to get things like uh, starter expected starter years remaining based on comps. You're going to get, you know, where are they in the proven label uh, for their production profile so far. You're going to get some contract information. You can get so much that goes beyond just a one through 50 list at, say, quarterback or wide receiver. Uh, you're going to get built out into tiers, all of that. And again, you sign up at, for GM Plus, you're also going to get a preview of the trade calculator there, refining all the deals you're possibly considering there. A really trusted resource. I was using it for a year or two before it even debuted on the UTH Dynasty site, and I've been using it ever since, obviously. And uh, just the power it gives you to provide clarity for more winning deals in Dynasty. Here we go, Katie Flower and myself discussing the uh, the rookie draft landscape here in the feature presentation of the week. Got a early rookie mock draft and... With the DVF Devi and frankly the rock star of rookies here, we got Katie Flower. Um, so it's been a long time since we've talked. We've been catching up here, but getting a, a recording session, we got some requests here and almost made January timeline, but it's early February. It all counts the same here in early off season. I'm Chad Parsons. We're going to go through a mock draft. Uh, so a couple rounds here. We're going to get super flex. We're going to get two PPR for tight end because uh, again, a lot of formats. We want to bring as many positions into the fold here. And Katie, we haven't really talked rookies. We've passed together a couple Devi notes now and again, but we've got. Got some drafts coming up that you know we're going to be drafting together for some rookies some devy uh, and that'll be fun in the coming months but uh, we're going to draft against each other it's always a good dialogue we used to do this uh, probably a couple times during the draft process um and again as always nice courteous uh chivalrous uh i was like hey where do you want to draft you're like hey 101's a good spot to be for me i never you never earn it in your leagues but <laughs> you trade for it sometimes <laughs> and uh again a uh, lot of talent at the top so this is gonna be a fun discussion here and everything so thanks for coming on Sure. I'm glad to be back. Um, retirement's been doing me well. I've been a guest on a Debbie show just recently, uh, but I'm very much enjoying working in my garden. I've been doing a lot of canning and putting some food away, some good, healthy food, and just enjoying working, um, being on the road for work and still getting to meet and, and ask local fans what do they think of certain players, X, Y, Z. But still watching a lot of football, still in the grind. Um, I've cut back on a lot of my leagues. I'm going to be in mostly best ball leagues moving forward. I've got a few handful of dynasty leagues that I've kept. But for the most part, just the setting the lineups for 30 plus leagues is so tough. Um, but I am still involved. I watch a lot of college football. And now that I live in Arkansas, my boyfriend and I have been able to go to a Razorback game here and there. 
Um, so if anybody wants the skinny on Rocket Sanders or any of the Debbie players, we'll have to do another show coming up yeah. uh, to talk about Debbie players. I'd be happy to, but I'm very excited and thank you for giving me the 101. Um, I am going to start off by taking Caleb Williams, quarterback, USC. Uh, I think he's very solid. I've watched him play for three years. Of course, I love Spencer Rattler and he took his job at Oklahoma before then going with the coach to USC. He's done nothing but solidly put up a very high passer rating. His average passing rating, 169 over three years. Very consistent. His average yards per attempt adjusted right in the 10.2, 10.3 range, which is good. His touchdowns to interception ratio, 93 touchdowns over three years to 14 interceptions and over 10,000 total yards. So he, he's put up the yards. He's been a leader. He's played a, the same coach, but two different off, offenses. His rushing was good his freshman year. And then I don't know if Lincoln Riley just said, I don't want you to get hurt. So he's backed him off a little bit each year. I don't know if that's the case. I didn't watch as much this year, uh, but he can run. And uh, he has shown that he can run. And I'm not that concerned. So for fantasy purposes, he's probably going to go first overall in the NFL draft. That's no guarantee that he's going to stick. Uh, there's other players that I consider taking here. And I, I haven't listened to your show, so I don't know who you love, who you don't love. I did take a quick cursory look at the UTH rankings. So I have a suspicion, but uh, I like Caleb Williams and I like him enough at this point to say 101. With that caveat, though, if I had this pick and I had earned it or traded for it and got lucky, I absolutely would trade this pick. And what I would be looking to do is something like Anthony Richardson plus maybe like a Nico Collins, and I might have to give back my third round pick to get it. Uh, but DLF has that as an almost even trade, and I would do that all day, every day. Yeah, I love that. Um, I think the the good news for Caleb Williams, you know, if someone trades into that pick, obviously it'd be a quarterback needy team. And a lot of them have some good weapons. And if the Bears do select him, stick and pick, you know, you got DJ Moore. I think that's a huge infusion. You've got Cole Komet coming on and they're probably going to add something. You know, it's a good draft. They've got another top 10 selection. Um, so the weapons are going to be pretty sound. And I'll say this about Caleb Williams, the play style. If it was 10 years ago, I think there'd be some concerns about playing in structure and, you know, all these highlight plays and things like that. But with the evolution of the position, the fact that going three plus seconds after the snap and Patrick Mahomes' success, some of these other quarterbacks of extending the play, stressing the defense, Caleb Williams coming in at the right time. You know, that that I think that's going to bode well. Justin Fields has a, has had some ancillary concerns with that play style, taking sacks, and Caleb Williams does a better job about that. So I think if you take the good kind of, of Justin Fields, mobility, extending plays, and then you add in the sizzle and the specialness of Caleb Williams, you might really have something here. So uh, yeah, like you said, heavy favorite uh, for the NFL purposes to go 101, but long off season and long draft process here. I'm going to go Drake May um, at 102. Um, he looks the part, you know, that I, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the down year. His parallels to Justin Herbert uh, in terms of, hey, let's think about Justin Herbert. He fell in the draft behind Tua. He had all the traits, 6'5", big arm, mobility. And what did he have? 
a down year to finish his career. You know, freshman year, sophomore year, he was looking like someone that you build in a factory. And and Drake May, he's getting punished when his weapons went way down. You know, he lost uh, Josh Downs. He lost um, other ancillary weapons. He was playing one-handed a lot of times there at UNC this past year. But he is the creator quarterback. I mean, he has an elite passing grade for me in the model, rushing grade higher than Caleb Williams. And again, I think he might be Justin Herbert, except unlike Seinfeld, where he says, I choose not to run. Herbert, we always want him to run more uh, for, for fantasy purposes. But Drake May, I think, actually is going to run more. Um, I'm pretty excited about that Washington landing spot. If he ends up being two, I think that's contested as well on where he goes. He's going to go in the top three or four. We know that. But Drake May, uh, when you say fresh start going to Washington, he's got Terry McLaurin as the you know most likely outcome that we're going to have here. But man, I'm super excited because he's got all the traits physically. He's got a big arm. He's got the mobility. There really is no weakness unless you say, I put all of my focus on evaluating a guy their last year of college. And then he might be looking at QB3, maybe even QB4 for you if that's your lens. Now, I look at the whole profile. I think being a phenom and producing right away and showing elite traits right away is very important. And again, one one uh, key metric I put into the model in recent years is the big time uh, throw versus turnover worthy play ratio. And he's elite in that regard. So you're talking about a guy with huge ceilings, doesn't put the ball in harm's way a ton. And I think that a lot of the gray area in the middle is something that uh, is unrightfully punished uh, for a lot of players. So Drake May, again, you get a lot of good, you don't get a lot of bad. And you're punishing him, in my opinion, too much for a down year if you don't have him within the top two quarterbacks. Yeah, I like Drake May, and he's got that requisite size. He's he's thick. He's not a spindle. Um, he's a smart guy. And it'll be interesting if he goes to Washington to have a backup Sam Howell, North Carolina quarterback. You know, you got the reunited sure. Tar Heels there, uh, which could be interesting. I'm a little bit torn on pick number three, but uh, for the super flex value alone, I think I've got to go with Jaden Daniels. He's mocked uh, in the top three in some sequence, some shape or form. Some people like him more than Drake May. I've seen Drake May fall. Um, I haven't participated in any mock drafts yet, but going for two does a lot of them. And they've got his average, uh, Drake May is average at uh, 105. So I think he's going to be a value. But uh, Jaden Daniels, great year. He's, he's talk about a slender guy. So there are big question marks. Can he hold up in the NFL? But that rushing upside, and he's a good passer. And he had, you know, yes, he's a five-year guy, but he had one of the best statistic years that you could have as a quarterback, uh, 208 passer rating this year. That's insane. Uh, 40 touchdowns and four interceptions just this year alone. And as I said, he's he his average yards per attempt, 13.6. So it, it's not just short dink and dunk type passes. He can move the ball downfield and move it down there quickly. Um, so with his rushing upside and we all saw what Anthony Richardson did in fantasy. Um, and then going way back to 2012, RG three, you know, when he hit the market and hit the ground running literally. So for fantasy purposes, I would take Jaden Daniels here at three. Yeah. I think the fantasy upside, and this is independent of, is he going to be a starter in the NFL for 10 years? You know, because we right. saw with Justin Fields, it's so alluring. We saw with Anthony Richardson, it's so alluring when you have, 
top of the position rushing upside. And Daniels has that profile. Like he, if he runs well, the it's going to spike after the combine or after his workout or, oh, you know, it's basically confirmation. I mean, he's going to work out well, but um, he has, he has Justin Fields type, you know, rushing potential in the NFL. And we've seen even with Fields, and I think Daniels is showing or projecting as a better passer um, that even if that's the downside, Fields has been really insulated. It's like, whoa, you know, he has a lot of question marks as a passer. He's still top seven, top 10, top 12, depending on time frames of these first few years. And guess what? They might be replacing him. All these outcomes. And he was still really good for fantasy. So I think uh, Jaden Daniels is one that popped up with a great season. He was already having good seasons. And that moved to LSU, having those two first round likely wide receivers around him. Really good decision by him to elevate his stock where he was looking like a day two guy, you know, with upside, maybe a Jalen Hurts type. And now he's looking like uh, a top three, top four, top five lock in the NFL draft. So unbelievable turnaround in 12 months for Jaden Daniels. Marvin Harrison Jr., I'll take it for. Um, I will say this, that compared to everybody else saying that he's the best wide receiver since dot, 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 I, I'm not really on that. Um, I'll say that. I, I do have him as my wide receiver one. Um, I do think he's going to be probably going to Arizona. He's gonna, If he doesn't go there, he's going to be wide receiver one off the board. Highly likely he's going to be a top five, top six, seven pick. Have really elite pedigree for the position. And Harrison, a lot of the dialogue is he's, you could argue he's one of the top two or three overall players in the draft, regardless of position. So again, I like his floor. The main thing I like about is that my comps T Higgins is his low level comp, like his worst case scenario. That's a pretty nice floor. Like what would T Higgins be without Jamar chase with a healthy Joe Burrow? And I think you have to look at it through that prism, not he's been blocked and he's, you know, he's just a, another guy. Like, I think he's really good. And so for Harrison, I do question the, uh, he's going to be wide receiver one, two, three in dynasty with production plus age plus pedigree. He's going to be in that chase and uh, Jefferson tier. I have paused with that. That's really hard to get to. He needs to be super elite in the first couple of years. And with the landing spot, we'll see Arizona's wide open, but do we trust Kyler Murray? If he goes somewhere else again, quarterback connection is going to be important. Uh, those other two guys had good quarterbacks right away, and that makes a difference. So for Marvin Harrison Jr., I know he's going to go to a top uh, of a depth chart. Uh, we'll see about the quarterback connection, but he's going to go very high. He doesn't really have any flaws. Um, I think he's going to work out well enough. I don't think he's going to be one of the best athleticism scores of the class. But you talk about 6'3", 6'4", rangy, um, and showing all the traits that you want of an alpha wide receiver there in college. Coming from the factory of Ohio State, there's not a lot of concerns here. It's a pretty blue chip play. Um, and with those quarterback uh, going high in the draft, it really does make 104, maybe 105, 106 in a format like this more valuable than the typical year. Oh, yeah. I, I love Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, and I don't hate that pick. But the reason that I accepted the 101 was exactly for this. Uh, I wanted to get my wide receiver one, Malik neighbors. I really love his game. Um, I think he's incredible, you know, starting off in the 14 average per uh, reception his first couple years, and then bumped it up to almost 18 yards per reception. Uh, he, he became a touchdown scorer and he, he paired very well with Jaden Daniels, but I think he would pair well and work well with pretty much any quarterback that they throw at him. I think he's a lock for a first round pick. Uh, he's got decent size, his speed and just ball control. Just, I, I love his routes. He's smooth. 
I'll take him at five and and run to the bank. Thank you. Run to it. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I I think he's probably my favorite wide receiver. When you look at what he's not going to go wide receiver one, you know, in a format like this, you get the quarterbacks up there. He's gonna he's also going to go very highly in the draft. I love him after the catch. Like you mentioned, explosive playmaker. He offers a different element. He just kind of moves differently when you watch everyone like ants. You know, you watch the 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 sky cam, you know, of the of the play, and he just separates. He's got the zuzu, as Greg Cosell would say, uh, yeah. in a lot of ways. I love that pick. Um, and I actually thought, you know, the lead in, you might take somebody else here at five. So I'm gonna go at six, and I think this is the spot. Uh Brock Bowers in in two PPR for tight end. Um, and frankly, I think this is the big six. Uh, you know, maybe we'll see something rogue, but it's hard to go wrong with these six guys in your top six spots in some order. Um, I think no matter if you're strong at tight end, weak at tight end, uh, with that premium, flexes are well in play to play the format. He's a rare producer. He's a top 1% of my model. Uh, he's going to work out really well. He's not afraid to block on the edge. But you know what? If he ends up like Mark Andrews and rarely putting his hand on the ground, I think that's going to be fine for him as well. So it's rarefied error. I mean, he's likely to go top 10 of the draft. And the only reason he doesn't would be positional need or hey there's a lot of wide receivers that are going to get paid you know hopefully 30 million plus dollars for their second contract and you want to get that equity uh so it, it would be in my opinion a positional value thing there is some pause with early tight ends we saw, saw kyle pitts and others where are they going to get used the right way featured the right way but brock bauer since his freshman year has been just TikTok, when does he get here? When does he get to the NFL? So this is a pretty rare playmaker. He he actually just get the ball in his hands as a runner end arounds. I mean, he does some things that we just don't see. So he's a unique cat in that regard. He's going to have the pedigree. Uh, he has the the rare production, a little bit subsized, um, but again, almost to an, uh, uh, a a resource and an analyst here. You they say Brock Bowers top five player in this class again. He's not uh, positionally valued like a quarterback. Wide receiver is getting valued in that way. He might go behind a tackle or two. So there's there are some moving pieces here, but no one says he shouldn't go in the top five or six picks if it was based truly on best player available. But he might fall to the teens. I've seen some mock drafts there. But two PPR for tight end, you have to calibrate for the format. And frankly, there's a pretty decent fall from Bach Bowers to everybody else here. So I'll take him at six. All right, so you got the first six picks there of our rookie mock draft together. Uh, we talk about, again, 25, 30 players, uh, some players that best of the rest or players, notably, we did not draft in the two rounds. You can find that on the premium side of UTHDynasty.com. Uh, some recent other shows, solo style, I'm doing a NFL mock draft exercise every single week. Uh, I've already got three uh, queued up on the premium side. So you're going to get that every single week here of the draft process. I'm going to take a mock draft NFL style and going to be taking those and looking at the ramifications for uh, rookie drafts and taking the ramifications for what that might mean for player value and fits here. Uh, so I go through that. Uh, you get that on a weekly basis. could be uh, 25, 30, 35 minutes where, uh, again, uh, we're talking through scenarios. We're talking through profiles, things that are moving, things that are changing, and different resources online to give different viewpoints from analysts and uh, mock draft simulators, etc. cetera. Uh, recent shows, I'm focusing mainly on wide receivers this early stage because unlike running backs, I don't think they're going to be quite as affected by the NFL combine. So I'm kind of uh, saving some of those running back profiles for later in the process. But recent shows, 
videos that you're going to have, as well as corresponding written content, Troy Franklin, Xavier Worthy, Brian Thomas Jr., Keon Coleman, uh, a drove of players, Romo Dunze, Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, um, all those. Also, late January, you get uh, a rookie landscape look at the profiles, uh, generally for the class, at running back, wide receiver, tight end, and quarterback. Um, and then uh, Dynasty Trading, you're going to get uh, content on that every single week. And of course, film notes shows as we finish out with the Super Bowl, but you also got some good takeaways there on the Dynasty front from the uh, from the championship weekend as well. So those are all just on the UTH Premium Podcast side. Like I mentioned, always updated is the Rookie Big Board, uh, the Dynasty rankings, and then at patreon.com slash UTH, Tim Torches over there. He's going to mix in on this weekly show, but also doing premium content there where we talk about uh, Brock Purdy. We have uh, Lamar Jackson coming up. We've talked about some dynasty trading, and we've also talked about key takeaways and undervalued, overvalued rookies uh, here in the last few weeks. So a lot of great content over there, as well as a VIP chat. And that's where you get to uh, sculpt content. I've already done some VIP shows for folks that are looking for immersive hands-on help. You submit a team, uh, and I record 10 to 20 minutes for what the action plan should be, looking at uh, where you should go with your roster. And that helps everybody, including, obviously, a very personalized, customized experience for one of maybe your trouble teams and trouble spots in your Dynasty portfolio. I'm Chad Parsons. Until next time, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those Dynasties.